2: Front and center of this hour. The market's amazing run rolls on. The Dow, S&P, Russell all hitting record intraday highs today. So where will your money work best from here? Our investment committee debating that one. Joining me for the hour today, Jim Labenthal. Kerry Firestone is the CEO of Arias Asset Management. Josh Brown's here. So is John Najarian and Rob Seachin, co-founder and managing partner of New Edge Capital Group. I'll take you to the wall, show you where we're trading. I told you about the new intraday highs really across the board. Yields are playing ball today, only at 153 for the 10-year. That means stocks all across the board in the green. Look at the NASDAQ, almost 2.5%. Dow's working on 1%. That's a gain of better than 300. Farmer Jim, you got quite a nice little thing going on here today.
1: Uh, You do. And I think uh, I'm going to stay consistent with the theme I've been on for the last month or so, which is to divide the market into three sections, two of which I find very viable right now. And the third, I don't. The two sections that are viable are the value cyclicals, We're early in an economic expansion, so you should expect financials, energies, materials to do well. The second is growth at a reasonable price. This is large cap tech. You got Apple at 26 times earnings. You got Facebook at 19 times earnings. Google, Alphabet at 25 times earnings. Those are all attractive for where their earnings growth rates are.
2: Finally, you've
1: got the hyper growth stocks.
2: I was just saying, hold your thoughts for a second. Hold your thought for a second, because it's it's not just you saying it, it's Rob Seachin doing it. Right. Rob, you just bought Apple. Love you bought it. more Apple. Tell me.
3: We did. It represents exactly what, what Jim likes. I mean, the value cyclicals, we've been overweight that of late. It's been very good to us. Um, this recent backup in rates gave us an opportunity to buy some names that we own for a very long time and have been highly successful with. Apple represents probably the most attractive uh, quality growth name out there. You have a four percent percent free cash flow yield that's growing at 30% per year um, sales growth 20% per year profit growth is is really significant and so when we saw the pullback in price we took advantage to add to the position I think where we have some worries is in the stay at home economy names and we want to be levered to these these uh, re-engagement names. Um, I would say we want to be in those trades until expectations get away from us. Because what tends to happen, Scott, is when you start to go along these trades, the analysts start to ratchet up the expectations. And what ends up happening is you risk missing. I think that's long into the future. So while we may be renters of these names, you know, we're going to be here for a bit. All right. Let, let, let's, let's not get into
2: those names quite yet. I want to stay sort of, you know, big picture. Um, people are trying to figure out where we go from here. Vaccine news continues to be positive. We got more of that today. We're thinking about the reopen. We're thinking about getting back to work, getting back to travel, getting back to the rest of our lives. you got a lot of liquidity. You've got the stimulus now passing yesterday. Here's Jeremy Siegel today from the Wharton School on Squawk Box. His optimism. Let's listen.
4: When I see the amount of stimulus come, I, I can see another 10% rise in stock prices 10, 12% this year, then the Fed gets more worried and a leveling off 2022, 2023. But this, we're still in the phase where the liquidity is going to push stocks over. We're going to get those little uh you know fears that are coming through, but it's gonna be overwhelmed, I think, by the, the strength of the economy and the rise of corporate earnings.
2: All right, there's Jeremy Siegel. Uh, Not one to be bearish, but Kerry, what about it? Is he going to be right? 10 to 12% left in stocks. You go 4,400 on the S&P 500.
5: Well, uh, that's a very interesting comment. I'm, I'm glad you put it there because the debate is between the people who own growth stocks and those who are suggesting that it's just cyclical and value stocks that will outperform this year. For the market to go up 10 to 12%, you must have participation in the tech, the communication services, and Amazon. Those two groups plus Amazon represent over 40% of the entire S&P 500. There is just not enough market cap in the cyclicals to get the market to go up that much, 10 or 12%. And if you look at the numbers, and I think this is important because people throw around these expressions all the time. If you look at the numbers, and Vinny created this chart for me, I looked at the eight periods in the last 50 years where we had strong, the strongest GDP, either after a recession or after some growth. There's five of those on this chart, and you can see that in all except one period, the NASDAQ went up and the S&P went up in all of those years. And that was true of the entire eight. So that suggests that even if last year, the market took NASDAQ stocks and moved them up 44% because you know the stay at home mentality and working was possible and they were able to produce great earnings, it doesn't mean that this year there's no growth in the, in the tech names. I just think that it's interesting to look at those numbers and they reinforce what Professor Siegel was saying.
2: All right, so John nigerian the professor, 10 to 12% rise in stock prices this year. He's about as bullish as you can possibly be, you know, and still have some credibility.
0: Yeah, he is. And, uh, you know, a lot of people accuse the professor of being a bull, but they do the same thing for me. Um, I, I think you do want to bet on the stock, Scott uh that are the most exposed still um you know you and i talked about it uh almost a year ago today scott uh as we were hitting the depths of uh the you know the the pandemic when the world health organization called it a global pandemic one year ago today and we saw that yeah we saw that severe slide um, then we said, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel probably isn't a train. The light at the end of the tunnel is a vaccine. Uh, we didn't know that we'd get it as fast as we have, Scott, but we said it would rage, and it has raged. When you look at stocks like MGM going from four bucks uh, all the way to where it is, or Wynn from 35 bucks back into the triple digits and things like that, there are a host of these, you know, CCL, Carnival Cruise Line, from eight bucks to uh, 28 dollars or 27 dollars today i mean these are phenomenal performances they're not over because that's just the anticipation scott of what's going to happen we haven't actually seen them filling up those casinos filling up those boats for american airlines filling up airplanes yeah that's happened but When you look, as I have, Scott, uh, at the amount of flights that are available, instead of seeing, you know, 25 flights from New York to Chicago um, on a daily basis just on one of those airlines, now you're seeing like three nonstop. So that is going to be one of those things that really starts kicking in as the vaccination program continues to roll out at this wonderful pace of two million a day. Fantastic news, Scott.
2: Yeah. You know, so, Josh, we we obviously spent a lot of time talking these days about the NASDAQ and about these high growth stocks. And, you know, the Dow has almost appeared and felt like an afterthought. Well, the Dow is raising its hand today and for the last five days and saying, hey, you know, over here, don't forget about me, big stocks. A lot of them leverage to the economy. The economy is looking good. It's going to get even better. And I wonder if we should start focusing on the ones in the Dow that are going to be the outperformers in the months ahead. You have your your eye on some names there that you think can do pretty well.
6: Uh,
4: Yeah, well, first of all, I I ran a technical screen through through all of the uh, Dow 30 names. They almost all look great. There's a couple of exceptions that don't look terrible. They're just in no man's land. Merck would be in that in that bucket. Um, But you look at Goldman Sachs, it's already broken out. Like if you missed that, you missed it. So what's next? I'm looking at uh, Travelers, TRV. I'm not in this name. This stock is on the verge of a massive breakout, Uh, been consolidating for a while. It's really it's really its own story. It's not macro or, or anything like that. It's just the company that the multiples been compressed. People have not been excited about financial stocks. Now you've got uh, the the yield curve uh, uh, expanding and you've got this whole group of names and Travelers is just one of them in the financial sector. Um, I own JP Morgan. That stocks up 50 points in like a month. Uh, Outrageous performance there. Um, And then I own a bunch of other ones. I'm not like crazy excited about Verizon, but I'm in there. But I just feel, Scott, very strongly that the right way to allocate a portfolio is not to play this game. Monday, it's, it's growth. Tuesday, it's value. Wednesday, back to growth. You have to have both in your portfolio. And if you want to be somewhat tactical about it, then when you've got massive underperformance from one half of that equation, that's when you can rebalance and add to it and vice versa. When you get a huge spree for growth stocks, you can take some off and add to the value side. But this idea that uh, an investor should, like, pick a side and just stick to that through thick and thin and not enjoy the benefit of of all sectors of, of the economy, I think is incorrect. I don't really know any professionals who actually do that in the real world. Yeah.
2: No, I hear you. Uh, it's certainly your, your point is, is well taken. Dow highs today. Boeing, another new high. I mean, it's been like three days in a row that stock has led the Dow. I'm not sure if it's leading the Dow today. However, it is a new high today. Chevron, new high. Goldman, Visa, Dow, uh, all hitting new highs. Jimmy, Boeing, um, you told us to buy it. Yeah. We were wondering how much upside was around, you know, it's, you got one week or two years this week yeah. that the 737 Max was grounded. Been talking a lot about this stock lately.
1: Yeah, and there's good news that's been coming out. Um, United Airlines last week upsized its order for the 737 max, right? We know that's been the epicenter of Boeing's problems. Then you've got uh, also news reports coming out that Southwest Airlines is closing in on a deal for 737 maxes again, and it looks like it's going to be a big order. Now, it's pretty likely that the price per plane is low for these orders, but that's okay because it clears out inventory. It gets their production lines really humming again. They've got tremendous overhead costs at Boeing, so they need to pump these planes out. Um, And once they get these initial orders out, then other airlines are going to say, hey, wait a second, got to get back in queue here to get on the order train here, get our orders in the book. So it's something that should build in on itself. So barring any problems with the vaccine or reopening, barring any other technical problems with the planes, I think Boeing's easily going to be above 300 in a a matter of months here.
2: Yeah, it seems like it's flying in that direction. Pardon the pun. I mean, yesterday led the Dow, (laughs) I think, maybe the day before it led the Dow. and, And the guys, the producers in the back tell me that it is, in fact, leading the Dow today. Carrie, Visa is another one on my list today and on yours.
5: Yeah, Visa has struggled over the past six months, and we're thrilled that it's starting to pop. Uh, It's definitely gonna be a beneficiary of more spending. Uh, The same is true of MasterCard and American Express. We like Visa, it's one of our largest positions. PayPal is the other, and if you look at spending from the stimulus, there's gonna be a lot more consumer spending. The reopening of all sorts of businesses, we're gonna see business travel, business expense, corporate travel, vacation travel, and people are just anxious to have outlets for spending money. And digital and payment by credit card is the way that people are doing it. So that's definitely a, a stock that we like over the next year or two.
2: Yeah. Well, the market likes the optimism today from Siegel and what it's hearing from you guys. Who's,
4: who's, who's that, Josh? That's me. I just wanted to agree with uh, Carrie. I think she makes an important point. Um, there are stocks right now in the travel space you don't have to you don't have to own an airline uh to get the benefit of what's about to happen i heard it phrased we're about to have uh, six months of new year's eve every night that won't be me because i'm a very responsible uh young adult but i'm going to tell you you look at some of these charts you look at expedia right now look at this monster monster breakout and it could be early innings for this breakout this stock had been consolidating in a range going back to late 2015, has just taken out um, the, the high end of that range. And it is arguably the highest quality name in uh, in travel and leisure TripAdvisor. I've never owned this stock before. I don't own it now. I should. Um, they're building the Netflix of travel. This thing hasn't even broken out yet. This could be on the verge. They're doing a subscription travel service. Hasn't really been attempted before in a very tech-centric way. I'm fascinated by their idea. Bumble, this is a reopening stock. It really is. It might actually be the preeminent reopening stock of our generation. This thing just came public, reported a blowout number last night, gave incredible guidance, uh, forward guidance, 12 billion market cap, 700-some-odd million in expected revenues this year. I know it's not a, quote, value stock or cyclical stock. It's going to work if the reopening works, because there's huge pent up demand for people to get out there and meet other people. And it's not just dating. It's friendship. It's business contacts. This could be the next great brand in, in social networking. So there are a lot of names out there that are just starting to move higher or haven't even yet. That are going to play into what Carrie just said, and I think it's a very, very important topic. It defies the growth versus value paradigm. Mm. That's not what's important yeah. now. Yeah. What's important is the reopening. Yeah. No.
2: No question about it. And John Nigerian, you know, it's what we've been talking about in, in the last few weeks. It feels like the base case is boom. The only question is how big.
0: Right. And, and Scott, uh, you know, we, we've seen that dramatic pullback in rates and. Yeah, it sounds like a broken record, but that is the pause that refreshes. That is why and how we can move higher. Sure, we can tolerate 2% or even 3%, and we all know we were experiencing rallies when the 10-year was at those levels. But again, it's how fast we get there, Scott, and how nervous the the market and the bonds, which is really the foundation under the market, um, how nervous they get if all of a sudden it's out of control. It's not out of control. It's very much stable and that's why you're seeing these kinds of reactions like uh, we're seeing today.
2: Yeah in names like Chevron yeah. which I said was on my list Rob Seachin your favorite name in energy new high out of the Dow today.
3: Yes no doubt and again we, we entered the trade in Q4 of last year. Felt it was the best way the best way to play it was bigger and more diversified the better. Um, Exxon certainly falls into that camp where Chevron has a lot lower leverage. Um, They also have a a little bit of a different geographic footprint so we played it that way we also bought we also bought XLE I got to tell you I completely agree with everybody that this reopening trades. Going to hit a little different last year was about goods and services whether that be stay-at-home based services stay-at-home based goods the dancing in the streets is going to come from experience-based spending and that's travel like josh mentioned and i think it's just going to be a really different playbook this year and i do think we're going to get some scares from service inflation and experience inflation just like we saw goods inflation last year but those are simply scares and I do think this is the best way to play kind of the reopening is by how do you dive in to have those experiences you know, is, it, is it the gaming stocks etc the travel stocks it, it's going to work there's no question that there's huge pent-up demand
2: I, I do agree with Josh though that it, you know it, it's a it's a fallacy almost to talk about sort of stay-at-home stocks versus reopen stocks We're essentially you know mm-hmm. if you are Counting on a change, at least somewhat in the interest rate paradigm, it just affects stocks with higher multiples, whether they're I mean, they could be be from any category doesn't necessarily have to be a stay at home name. It's just going to cause a re-rating in some Mm -hmm. of those stocks. I mean, that's what Brad Gerstner was talking about. Altimeter's Brad Gerstner, when he was with us yesterday, he thinks a correct correction in some of those stocks is not over. Let's listen. We can kick it on the other side.
7: If you ask me, we're somewhere in the middle in terms of the correction, uh, you know, for uh, for for growth companies. I think some of them have already fully corrected, right? You take something like Zoom; it's already trading at pre-COVID multiples. But there are other companies that we think have a, you know, have further to go. For us, our portfolio and our exposures, we added a bunch of hedges and protection over the course of the last couple of months. We've been taking those off over the course of the last two weeks and adding to the positions we love at what we think are more fair and sustainable prices so how about that farmer jim
2: i mean look there are a lot of growth stocks that are tremendously off of their record highs fastly is down that sort of leads the pack down 46 percent from the high that it hit on october 13th of 2020. now zoom is down 41 percent, but he made the point yesterday that he thought that maybe zoom had already corrected Enough. I think Josh Brown made a similar point a couple of days ago. Splunk down 38, as is Teladoc and Peloton, and maybe those are more specialized to a stay at home. Spotify, Shopify, Roku, DocuSign, right? Those are down 27, 26, 25, respectively.
1: I love the way you're throwing the ball to where the receiver is going to be because this is what I (laughs) wanted to finish the the opening comment to the show with which is that the third category are these hyper growth stocks and I don't I don't want to put any of them down they're fabulous companies the problem is they trade at multiples of sales that are measured in the dozens right so fastly even down 46 percent is like 25 times sales and I could go through that list that you just went through and they all look something like that the problem is When interest rates rise, um, it's the more expensive stocks that are going to get hit the hardest, mainly because their earnings are further out in time. So as you discount those earnings back at a higher interest rate, there's a bigger effect. So I still think this area is no touch. You can certainly have a bounce like you're having the last couple of days. But for me, this is off limits, this whole area. They're just too expensive. When you're talking to me about stocks that are measured in price to sales, I lose interest.
2: Yeah, I know, but you are John, the guy. Yeah. You, you did like Roku at one point in time. Now, I know that was maybe an individual story, but it's not always no touch. It's not always the third rail farmer, Jim, is it? They're all yes, individual you're, stories. You're, yeah.
1: You're,
4: they're,
2: they're all individual stories. You are and correct. Nobody and, you takes know, feel, the gains feel of like Roku. I never should have. Ex- finish your thought real quick, uh, nope. Jim, and then Josh.
1: Yeah, I, I feel like I never should have experimented with cigarettes <laughs> in the form of Roku. Yeah. I'll never live it down. Yeah, exactly. But, but, you know, that <laughs> was just a trading. That was just momentum.
2: I know, but you, you, gave, me ahead, some, you gave me a, uh, some material that's just going to live on for a long period of time. Josh Brown, I'm just thinking about a stock like CrowdStrike, which I, know, which I know how much you like. It's down almost 20% from its highs of February 16th. Can you just give us an update on how you're thinking about it, whether you've been adding to it or what your general thought process is around it?
4: Hold on, Judge. Let's not jailbreak Jim out of this so quickly. <laughs> Jim, the value, <laughs> the value police... Uh, are, are knocking on your door. They want your gains <laughs> from Roku back. Look, at the end of the day, I, there are companies building card. 21st... <laughs> there, are, there, are, there, are, there are growth stocks right now that are building 21st century brands that will be every bit as meaningful to the 75 million millennials and 72 million Gen Zers who are going to be the consumers in this country uh, that the value stocks that Jim so highly prizes had built in previous generations. So the price to sales is not going to be the thing that determines whether or not these stocks work. Let's take a look at PayPal, not a cheap stock. Here's the thing though. It's compounded at 40% a year, every year since spinning out of eBay in 2015 was never cheap, always had an absurd price to sales, uh, multiple. And now you have the ability to buy this stock down 40 points from where it was a week and a half ago. Uh, it's a $300 billion market cap on trailing 12 months revenue of 21000000000 billion. I'll never tell you that that's a cheap stock, but that's not going to be the determinant of whether or not PayPal works from these levels. I think the same thing can be said about Zoom. I think the same thing can be said about a lot of names that we talk about. It just won't apply universally. So where Jim is right is the fact that we have like a thousand stocks that are trading at those multiples. They won't all grow into them, but the ones that do will grow into them and beyond. And I have to tell you, price to sales multiple uh, never stopped. Some of the companies that are now in the top 20 market caps in the United States never stopped Netflix, never particularly mattered to Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. So some of these co- Zillow is another. Let me throw this one real quick. Zillow's building a brand that is, I think, already unassailable. And I understand it's not a cheap stock, $37 billion market cap uh, on trailing sales of $3.5 billion or so over the last year. It's going to be a while before Zillow ever sells at a price-to-sales multiple that uh, value investors can get comfortable with. The good news is nobody cares. That's not going to be the thing that determines whether or not Zillow shareholders make money. It's always going to be growth and brand and network effects and things that simply do not show up on an income statement for years and years to come. And I think you have to have some of those in your portfolio to capture the upside of, of what the next decade will bring. All right. All right, Carrie, I want
2: you to weigh in on that. That was good from Josh. I want you to weigh in. You agree with what he's saying?
5: <laughs> I almost always agree with what Josh says. Uh, but he, here's the clarification good I would start. make. Because we, track, <laughs> we, we track the stocks that sell for a multiple of 14 or more times sales, uh, 14 because Tesla's 14 times sales and have 10 billion or a higher market cap. And the peak of that was in the middle of February. Uh, There were $5.3 trillion in those companies. And uh, it was over over 10 percent of the value of the entire U.S. um, equity market. And you know, when we start to hit these levels of valuation for, for the group. And there are all types of names in the group. Visa, as an example, is in the group. We own three names out of our 35, three are on that list. However, we were getting in very sort of, you know, nosebleed territory. And that group has come down over 15% since then. There were 102 names, now there's, I think, 88 names on the list. So you have to pick and choose. You have to be careful. They're all not going to participate in the same level for the future. That growth, it's not going to be equally distributed. Some are going to be great companies in ten years, and some will not exist. We own Twilio. We think that's one of the winners. So to Josh's point, the leaders of the future are there, but you have to pay attention to what you're buying. Okay, that's my Let, only
2: point. Let's talk high growth. Let's talk about companies that think they're going to be the leaders of the future. Let's, if we can, guys, just throw up a coupon. We're still waiting for the Korean company to open. It is the biggest foreign IPO since Alibaba. We're still waiting on the first trade. And it, look at the range. I mean, it's super tight now, 63, 64. Uh, so we'll, we'll keep following uh, that. Obviously, it priced at 35. OK, so it's going to go out, go out pretty well. By the <laughs> way, bottom of your screen right now, President Biden to sign COVID uh, aid bill this afternoon at the White House. Just want to make sure that all of you see the headline that we just dropped on the screen. I want to really know, Dr. J, are you are you in on coupon? You, you love these IPOs, and this is going to be a good one.
0: I I agree with you, Scott, and uh, I'm a broken record again because I'm on a couple public boards. I cannot participate in IPOs anymore, at Ah. least according to my broker. So uh, for that reason, Scott, I have to buy it afterwards. That's what happened to me in Airbnb. So unfortunately, I can't be there.
2: I would listen to your broker. I would listen to your broker. What about our broker, (laughs) the reformed one? That's Pete. What about the what about the reformed (laughs) broker? Does, does he have a take on Coupang? I, I could see him being interested
4: in something like this. What about it, Josh? Well, as this would be the kind of thing I'd love to make fun of. It's the Amazon of Korea. But actually, those trades have worked. Look at uh, Jumia, the Amazon of Africa. Sto- stocks worked. Uh, Mercado Libre mm-hmm. uh, is one of the biggest winners like I've ever seen in my life. And that's the Amazon of Latin America. So I'd love to like, be like, oh, I get it. It's Amazon. It's the Uber of this. It's the Amazon of that it's hard to dismiss. So I don't have a strong view on this name in particular, but I wouldn't dismiss it out of hand just because it's corny to refer to it as like, you know, another country's Amazon. Those stocks have actually done pretty well. And maybe
2: even, you know, not even doing it enough justice because it seems like this is not only what they believe is their Amazon, but a whole bunch of other, this is our version of a lot of big winners here in the States. And that's really accounting for a lot of the optimism around it. Let's do this. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We have to debate some of the big analyst calls today. And a reminder, you can always watch or listen to us live on the go on the CNBC app. We're back right after this. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Visit odfl.com to learn more. All right, how about Coupon? We just talked about it and uh, however timely that conversation was because we do have trades. You could take a look there. It has opened higher by some 77 it's currently trading a little north of 60. Well, I'll just say about 62 bucks again after pricing at 35. It is the biggest foreign IPO. This is from Korea, uh, the biggest foreign IPO in the United States since Alibaba. So we'll continue to watch what is another wildly successful IPO. Rahel Solomon is keeping her eyes today on our calls of the day. (laughs) Rahel.
6: Hi, Scott. Yeah, so let's start with Costco going to overweight at Wells Fargo. Price target here goes to 370 from 340 a share. So, Scott, despite the pandemic-induced rally, the stock is 16% from its November high. The note saying that a backslide to pre-pandemic levels for the stock is wrong because Costco should be able to keep some of those gains Plus, membership fees are likely to increase, and it has a strong business outlook. JP Morgan, upgrading DR Horton to overweight. Price target remains 105. Analysts say they like the stock's valuation compared to its peers, despite their expectations for above-average order growth and margins relative to those arrivals. That stock, by the way, hitting a fresh all-time high today. It's up about 2%. And ExxonMobil is reiterated a top pick at Morgan Stanley. Target here goes from $60 to $71 a share. Scott, analysts say that Exxon's proactive cost and capital expenditure cutting, coupled with rebounding margins, really support improving free cash flow and cover for the dividend in 2021. That stock's really been on a tear. It's up 70 percent in the last six months. Today, it's about half a percent up. Scott, I'll send it back to you.
2: Good looking chart there. Rahel, thank you so much for that. That's Rahel Solomon. Rob Season had mentioned that. Uh, I don't want to front run Rahel's call today because I knew that was coming. But, Rob, you talked about Chevron. So there is your Exxon, as you mentioned it. Um, earlier as a big breakout. The other thing I want to talk about with you guys is DR Horton, D.H.I., right? We threw that up. The only person who actually owns it here is John Nigerian so you can hit that, and then everybody's got a housing play, I'll make basically the same one. We'll get to that after. Doc, you, D.H.I.
0: Yeah, D.H.I., lovett Scott got um, toll raised their dividend this week. Um, you've got Horton, Pulte, D.H.I., uh, So many of these, Lennar, just doing fabulous, Scott. Demand is there, interest rates are going to be low. I mean, I can hardly imagine a better environment for the home builders right now because there's no inventory, Scott. There's almost none. So, for that reason, own them all, hold them all.
2: Seach, Home Depot. That's That's the name of the game, Home Depot.
3: Can you talk about we it we own home depot we own we own Sherwin Williams we own ITB uh the home builders ETF all in different portfolios two of those in our uh, in our quality growth portfolio we're big believers that these are going to be participants as as consumers start to re-engage spending i mean these checks are coming scott and uh everybody's going to spend them differently but we think a lot of it's going to go into uh, these type of names plus there's this this huge de trend that i think you know may slow down a little bit as we as we reopen but when you talk to people that work in architecture people that work in home building there's no inventory. There's no ability to even get a seat at the table to meet with one of these folks So I think there's gonna be a lot of spend in these areas.
2: Wow! I mean a lot of love for Sherwin uh, On this show Jim you own it Carrie. You do too. What's so hot about Sherwin Williams?
5: Well as you know Scott I've owned this stock for a long time. I mean, I think that we talked about how paint can't fly, which is why it can't be an internet play. You've got to go to the paint store, contractors, individuals, and we felt that last year was a fantastic year for the comps per store were up high single digits and this is going to continue because Everybody put an addition onto their house. They're not through painting. There's an awful lot of work to be done. And if home building becomes this explosive category this year, and I think John is right, those stocks look technically very strong, but that should play out for Sherwin-Williams and for Home Depot, which we just added to because the stock has been weak over the past few months didn't participate in the rally of the reopening stocks at all because it, it was open last year. But we think we'll have a good year this year. I mean,
2: it's almost not fair. You, you, you know that the farmer must spend literally half his weekend at Home Depot or a similar like retailer. That. Right. I Trapped mean, if supply. you if you didn't, if you didn't own Home Depot, <laughs> Farmer Jim, I'd say, what in the heck is wrong with you?
1: Uh, it is. You know what? It does put a smile on my face when I go in there. I mean, I don't even have to have an agenda. I can you should find have an orange apron yourself.
2: There. We're going to get you one.
1: <laughs> uh, you know what the real crime is, is that I. the real crime is I don't own tractor supply. But we'll, that's, we'll save that for oh another day. Oh, my goodness. Well, that's H- like Home blasphemy. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. I probably shouldn't have said it, but I'm trying to get over the Roku uh, dalliance. Um, Home Depot or Sherwin-Williams, you know, both of them, when we talk about good management, it's what do they do with capital? Both of these companies have invested capital that is showing up now in enormous free cash flow generation that they return to shareholders. And Home Depot is an obvious one. Sherwin-Williams, we don't talk about this too much. They bought Valspar about four years ago. That thing just skyrocketed their free cash flow. They're paying down debt. They're increasing their dividends. They're going to be buying back shares soon, too. I like both companies. Uh, they're, they're, they're just wonderful for me.
2: You know, you, you need to buy at least like one share of tractor <laughs> supply. I'm looking at it right now. Know, let's, let's throw that up. Oh, I mean, it's up 3% today. So, you know, it to cost you a little bit more. It's 172 and change. So you just take a look at that. You let us know <laughs> if you follow my advice just for credibility's sake
1: you know the day is coming you know the day is coming oh I better it
2: better all right for more on today's biggest analyst calls check out the write-up on cnbc pro go to cnbc.com pro for that up next john's latest unusual activity always can't wait for that plus March is women's history month we're spotlighting some of our cnbc contributors for that here is sandhill global advisor cio brenda vingello with her own advice on taking risks
5: For most women, we need to spend time investing in ourselves to find our own voice and to give ourselves credit for our own strengths and expertise. I think so often that men will raise their hand or ask for opportunity, even if it's at the fringe of their ability, while many women uh, choose safety instead of taking a chance like that. But I think for many, it can be very rewarding, personally and professionally, to take that chance, even though there is some risk of failure.
6: Welcome back to The Halftime Report. I'm Rahel Solomon, and here is your CNBC News update at this hour. A U.N. human rights expert says that Myanmar's military has murdered at least 70 people since the coup began. He's calling for sanctions on military leaders and an oil company owned by the military. Molson Corp. says that it has been hit by a cyber attack that's caused disruptions in its operations and shipping. The company says that it has hired a forensic IT firm to help restore systems as soon as possible. Mississippi Governor Tate Reeves has signed a bill banning transgender athletes from competing on girls' or women's sports teams. And more than 20 states are also considering similar bans. And staying with sports, the men's basketball team for Duke University has pulled out of the Atlantic Coast Conference tournament because of a positive COVID test. The school's athletic director says that... The Blue Devil season is over, ending their streak of 24 consecutive NCAA tournament appearances. But Scott, the coach of Duke, saying, Look, it's been a really challenging season for sports overall. Clearly, the, the challenge still exists.
2: Yeah, not the same March Madness without Duke. Nope. But it's the way it is, unfortunately. Raheel, thank you. Let's get a touch uh, again on uh, Coupon. Again, biggest IPO foreign-wise, uh, foreign IPO, I should say. Uh, since Alibaba, uh, we showed you price 35 uh, opened a little bit higher than what it is now. I think the highest gain of the day was about 77%. Uh, so it's dropped off a little bit. But following Roblox, you got two two for two uh, over the last couple of days. All right, let's do unusual activity. Doc, what you got?
0: Well, two for two yesterday, Scott. XLE and DraftKings both zoomed to the upside. Today, we're hoping for the same JMIA, Scott. These are options on the uh amazon of africa and they expire next friday not this friday uh they are the 48 strike calls with the stock at 46.65 i bought those i'll probably be in them about a week scott second one um, is constellium it is uh, cstm these are may options at the 17 strike with the stock at about sixteen dollars uh they bought a lot of these really quick scott we jumped in there with them since they're that far out into the future. I'll likely be in these about six weeks, like the uh, uh, upside for both of these two calls.
2: All right, Dr. J. Thank you very much for that. Ask Halftime is next. Give us your questions. We'll You can send one by video, too. We'll play it on the air. Email us. Ask Halftime at CNBC.com. Be right back. Okay, let's do it. Let's answer your questions now. First up, Jim, from you, uh, to you, excuse me, Brian Lincoln, Nebraska. This questions for former Jim. A few months into the crisis, I took your advice on Viacom. The stock is up handsomely. Thank you for the final trade recommendation on multiple shows. All right, so what do I do with it now as it hits 82? Good question. What's the answer?
1: Yeah, I think I think you're supposed to sell it here. It's up more than handsomely. It's up 130 percent just year to date. I sold it back around 70. Um, Look, look for a pullback. The streaming streaming business is doing really well, but it's too expensive here. Sell it. Look for a pullback to re-enter.
2: Okay, thank you for that, Dr. J, uh, from Doug in California. What do you think of GE and the reverse stock split? Feels like they can't figure out how to get their house in order you did have that other note from tusa steve tusa over jp morgan today five dollar price target what's what's up
0: well i certainly love the performance so far scott uh and the fact that they're going to put it to a shareholder vote on this one for eight reverse stock split i think is a positive it doesn't of course change anything about uh, the market direction for the stock but they wanted a triple digit stock they're going to get it now scott
2: yeah i mean but would, would you you still own the calls
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'll, of course, uh, with this stock split again with that May approval, that's when the meeting is that they'll ask for the shareholder approval. I, I think that this is something that attracts more interest again, but it doesn't really change anything fundamentally. But I do like it.
2: Okay, Josh, to you, Greg in Florida, what's going on with Wingstop?
4: Wingstop is having a little bit of a cultural moment. Last week, uh, Drake's new EP came out. There were three tracks. The best of the three was called the Lemon Pepper Freestyle with uh, uh, Rick Ross. And Ricky Rosé actually owns a number of Wingstop locations. He's the biggest boss that you've seen thus far. So I think uh, technically does not look as good as the Lemon Pepper Wings actually taste. 123 (laughs) is support going back let's say, to uh, the spring of 2020, if it falls below there, it tells you the buyers did not appear where they should have and something has changed. If it stays above, I think it could be OK. Uh, but this is not my type of setup. Uh, and I much prefer the garlic parmesan. All
2: right. Uh, Josh, keeping it real, as always, he's our culture czar. Thank you for that. All right, Carrie, American Tower. It's from Adrian in Massachusetts. Is it a buy for a 5G?
5: Oh, Adrian, my home state here. So, AMT has been a really rough stock. In fact, since last July, it's been basically trading down and that almost coincides when, when T-Mobile and Sprint merged and they lost some of their rentals because of those two customers becoming one. And we think that discount is now in the stock price and it is time to buy the stock here and we expect the next year or two to be very good for AMT. American Tower.
2: All right. We have a bonus question for you, Farmer Jim, from Steve in New Jersey. Why is the GM position you put me in down on the day when the market is ripping everywhere else? Should I, should I buy more or just start listening to others on the investment committee?
1: Oh, oh no. it's Steve Weiss. What's Steve,
8: Steve Weiss? Weiss. It's Weiss.
1: <laughs> Listen, I, lo- I love that Steve so is in GM. Steve Steve you got to do what you've done with Boeing and Cliffs and just stick with it for some reason you keep getting in and out of GM I've never told you to do that I've told you to buy and hold GM buy and hold GM Steve
2: All right you're a good sport Jimmy thank you coming up the 10 year yield is back above 1.5% we've got more on that move in the futures outlook we got a trade coming up for you next Let's do the futures outlook 10 year is back above 1.5% after a jobless claims number that came in better than expected. Let's bring in Brian Stutland of Equity Armor Investments for our trade. Stutz, where are you taking us?
7: Well, rates continue to tick up all year long. The channel has been higher on all this stuff. But having said that, I think we're seeing some demand now at these levels. When you look at Verizon being able to issue $108 billion of debt when they really only initially wanted to do $25 billion is amazing. The treasury auctions the past couple of days for 10-year and less dated notes have gone pretty well. So I think there's going to be some support around this level. I'd actually dip in for a short-term trade and buy the June futures contract and the 10-year note because I think we're a little oversold right now. So I'd buy it at 132.20, looking for it to trade up to 133.20 with a quick stop down at 132 just for a short-term trade here. You know, I'm risking about six hundred twenty five bucks to make a thousand. I think the risk reward lines up great. I think we're going to tend to hold this area. We're starting to see a little demand. I mean, further out, maybe not so good. But for now, I think it's great.
2: Brian Stutland, thank you very much. We will take another break. We'll come back. We'll finish with
0: final trades. Mr. Show. Don't sweat it. The Halftime Report now has a podcast, market-moving interviews, call of the day, unusual activity, and, of course, Ask Halftime. Look for us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app and subscribe to the Halftime Pod today.
2: On the edge tonight, 6 p.m. Eastern. I hope you'll join me one year into the pandemic. Did lockdowns actually work? or do more harm than good to the economy. Plus, does America need sports? Jamel Hill with us tonight. She says America's emotional connection to big money athletics has been grossly overestimated. Join me tonight, 6 p.m. Eastern time. TRB, you're hanging with me a little bit tonight, right?
4: I'll be there. All right, looking forward to that. Give me final trade. Uh, Simon Property Group, my favorite reopening stock right at the moment. Stock's going higher, paying a 5% yield while you wait. Okay. Carrie, what do you have for us?
5: American Waterworks, AWK. It's a play on infrastructure spending. It's an ESG positive stock as it's water, and the stock is on sale. It's down 12% this year.
2: Okay. Rob Sechin.
3: Ford Motor Company, it's down a little bit today, but it's trading at 12 times next year's huge reopening beneficiary, and they're making progress in the EV market.
2: Okay, John Nigerian Dr. J.
0: Why, why, Scott? Why, uh, why is the symbol? It's a Chinese uh, social media play. Bought it this morning. <laughs>
2: You know, Farmer Jim, I really was hoping that tractor supply was going to be on this list for obvious reasons. I guess I'll have to wait. I guess I'll have to wait. What do you got?
1: I'll see you tomorrow, Scott. Listen, I love Rob with the uh, e-Mustang <laughs> call, but uh, for Steve Weiss, Josh Brown, and myself, we're sticking with GM. We've got diamond hands. Hey, Weiss, you're my man. I need you to hold all this right. stuff. All right,
2: good stuff. I like both. Enjoy- enjoyed it, guys. Thank you. Thanks so much for watching.